Hey everybody, this is Senior Pastor Joshua B. Carson saying thank you for tuning into the CT Podcast. We hope that your time here, whether you're driving down the road or whether you're sitting at home with a journal and listening in, we hope that it's effective. Maybe it'll be inspirational, encouraging. Maybe it'll be thought-provoking. Regardless of what session you're listening to, we truly pray that this is a benefit to you and to your family. God bless and enjoy the podcast. Praise God. Let everybody say in Jesus' name. Amen. Open your Bibles, if you will, to the book of Matthew. I was standing, I just looked down at my watch a moment ago and recognized it was 725, and I thought to myself, thank God, what an incredible presence of the Lord we have felt here. So much has already occurred in 25 minutes. You know, it doesn't take long when you begin to magnify him. When you enter in with thanksgiving and praise, so thank you to Brother Henderson and this team, and then Brother Joel, what a great, great job. What an incredible highlight, ministering, praise Lord, from the book of Amos. Anybody get nervous when he said, open your Bible to Amos? Come on, you lie, you fry. He said, Amos, a lot of people looked at the screen. <laughs> Amos, some of y'all were counting. Genesis, Exodus, Old Testament, small book, big purpose. Appreciate that great word. That was, that was so good. So thankful. Amen. Thank you for the feedback and the attentiveness this last week. We began the year last Wednesday with a strategic journey through prayer here in our main sanctuary. And we're focusing on that this month on prayer and fasting, prayer and fasting. It's the backbone of who we are as believers. Amen. We're going to walk through that here tonight over the next 32 minutes, and I think the Lord is going to help us. Matthew 17, verses 15 through 21. Lord, have mercy on my son, for he's a lunatic, sore vexed, for oft times he falleth into the fire and oft into the water. And I brought him unto thy disciples. Remember, we preached last Sunday about being the church. I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. Jesus rebuked the devil. He departed out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, and they were sincere, why could not we cast him out? Jesus answered unto them, because of your unbelief. That's a tough response, isn't it? <laughs> because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, if ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it'll, it'll remove. Nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit, this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. These two topics are interwoven throughout the entirety of the text, Old Testament and New Testament, working together to talk to us and lead us we have to be people of prayer, and we have to be people of fasting, okay? I've got to tell you, and maybe you can amen me on this, to your flesh, neither one of these are real easy. 
How many would rather pray than fast? Raise your hand. How many would rather fast through the rest of service? than? I hear some rappers right now. Some of y'all ain't making it. Lord help us. <laughs> apostolic influence is what we're looking at here in January. We want to have apostolic influence. And so to do that on this first lesson, we're going to talk about the dynamic duo, not Batman and Robin or anything make-believe, the dynamic duo of prayer and fasting. God, we love you. We thank you for our time in your house here tonight. I pray that you would help us, that we would hear from your word, that we would be recipients and that we might become doers of your word. We ask it in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We want to be men and women of prayer and fasting because we want to be pleasing. We want to have authority in the Holy Ghost. We want to, we want to believe when we pray, things are going to happen. So we ask for that help in Jesus' name. And let everybody say amen. 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 You may be seated. We're talking about prayer and fasting. Please, no one run out of the building. The foundation for not only our lesson, but for our lifestyle of prayer and fasting is the absolute authority on the topic, which is the Word of God. I don't want to teach anything tonight that we would make up on our own. How many know that the Bible is still big enough for itself? Amen. Here we are in God's house with God's people. And so let's get into God's word and talk about this. It was Edwin Orr who wrote these words that ring true today. History is silent about revivals that did not begin with prayer. I would say it this way in a modern context. It is one thing to draw a crowd. It is another thing to have a supernatural experience with God. So I start here tonight what may be obvious to each and every one of us, and although we know it to be necessary, it still somehow often finds itself on the back burner of our life. We need prayer, and here's our launching. Prayer brings us closer with God. First Chronicles 16 and 11, seek the Lord in His strength. Seek His face continually. Psalm 145 and 18 tells us, the Lord is nigh unto them that call upon Him, to all that call upon Him in truth. I, I, I say that so that we're all aware. We don't call on God to get Him to do what we want. It's not why we call upon the Lord. In fact, I would maybe move that each and every one of us consider we spend a little more time calling on God when we're not asking Him for anything. If we're not careful, how many know that we can treat the Lord like our personal bellhop? Hey, God, I got some luggage. I got some stuff I need you to pick up. There needs to be a big part of our prayer that is just us being with him. Isaiah 55 and 6, that great prophet wrote, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. There is something about the individual, but also the collective prayer where we recognize when we come into this house and there is an atmosphere of praise and worship and we get into an atmosphere of prayer, we should seek him. We should seek him. That's why we have services when God just moves in and interrupts. And when he does, we don't throw a flag on the play and say, hey God, I'm not sure if you know, but this is our time because this is his church and it's his time, right? 
In the book Historical Drift, Arnold Cook writes this way, prayer is the very essence of Christianity. It is the Christian's native air. We promote it verbally, but we talk too often, but our talk too often fails to match our walk. God, forgive us for being people who talk about prayer, but don't actually talk to God in prayer. Number two, prayer brings realization to the authority and the power of God. It was Ian Bounds who wrote, prayer is our most formidable weapon, one thing which makes all else we do efficient. It is our most formidable weapon. Let me talk and remind us about some Old Testament accounts of prayer. It was Elijah's prayer that brought victory over the prophets of Baal in 1 Kings 18. It was Joshua's prayer in Joshua 10 that literally caused the sun to stand still for the recording. The earth stopped its rotation. Hannah's prayer in 1 Samuel chapter 1 resulted in the birth of Samuel. Hannah sought the Lord and she interceded. And how many know that there was a hearing from God? When mothers cry out, God does hear. Some mother in this room be reminded that when you pray, God is listening. Deuteronomy 9 taught us Moses prayed in intercession for Israel and because of that intercessory prayer, they were spared. And we're a church that still believes in intercessory prayer where we stand in the gap. If you would go and look in Ephesians chapter 6, you could read the oft-talked-about whole armor of God. But it's important to note that at the end of that whole armor of God where he is finishing with the sword of the Spirit, the next verse says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints, to which I would say this, we need the whole armor of God from our mind, the breastplate of righteousness, our feet to be shod. We need every bit of that, but all of that that is helping guard us, we need the power and the authority of prayer. We need the power and the authority of prayer to be at work. Say, Pastor Carson, we believe in prayer. Well, let's keep going in this. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Does anybody believe that on this Wednesday night? That we really still can pull down strongholds through our prayer. What Brother Joel was talking about here, the, the prayer, and I appreciate him sharing that story about uh, our beloved Chris Barber and that which took place in his life. Aren't you thankful that even though year one didn't get it done and year two didn't get it done and year three, aren't you thankful that they just kept praying and pleading the blood of Jesus Christ because it was not a flesh battle, it was a spiritual battle casting down imaginations in every high thing which exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringeth into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. To every person in this room, we've got to remember there are things in this world that will try to infiltrate your thinking. You can be a righteous person with righteous thinking and all you have to do is accidentally see one clip I'm going to know we've tried to work this year on our children being exposed to one image. Things that are there that are exposed that have to, or things that get in lies from the media. 
there's a whole gauntlet there that you have to walk through on a daily basis, not just because you're a Christian, just because you're a, hum, you're a human being and you, you deal with the reality of life. But one thing we have as believers through prayer is we can cast down every imagination which exalteth itself. When the devil tries to make you believe that you are lesser than, when the devil tries to make you believe that there can be no recovery, when you feel that condemnation, you have the ability to cast that down. Now, I promise you that doesn't happen by just talking to anyone. That happens by talking to God. It is the power of communication. Prayer is when humanity and deity get together and there becomes this conversation between people and God. I will tell you this. There's a reason prayer can be hard for the flesh because if you ever get to a place where prayer becomes easy, the devil's going to start having a bad day every day of your life. I'm not telling you life will be perfect, but when you get on daily communication terms with God, there is something powerful about a prayer warrior that gets alone with God, has the ability to communicate with him. J. Oswald Sanders called this the strange paradox. He says, we pay lip service to the delight and the potency and the value of prayer. We assert that it is an indispensable adjunct of mature spiritual life. We, we know that it is constantly enjoyed and exemplified in scriptures, but in spite of all, too often we fail to pray. And isn't it the truth? Anyone that thinks they're too busy to pray, I would remind you, you're too busy not to pray. No learning, Ian Bounds said, no learning can make up for the failure to pray. No earnestness, no diligence, no study, no gifts will supply its lack. Number three, prayer helps us model Jesus Christ. And that's our desire, right? To be like him. Luke 5 and 16, he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. Luke 6 and 12, it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer. Luke 22 and 44, being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, his sweat as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. In the book, Why Revival Tarries, Leonard Ravenhill writes this, there's nothing more transfiguring than prayer. People often ask, why do you insist on prayer so much? He said, the answer is very simple, because Jesus did. Isn't that still enough? Isn't it still enough that he is our great example? The reason I use these examples from the book of Luke is because of Ravenhill, what he writes about this particular. He says, you can change the title of the gospel according to St. Luke to the gospel of prayer. It's the prayer life of Jesus. The other evangelists say that Jesus was in the Jordan and the Spirit descended on him as a dove, while Luke says, under the inspiration of the Spirit, it was while he was praying that the Spirit descended. The other evangelists say, Jesus chose 12 disciples. Luke writes, it was after he spent a night in prayer that he chose 12 disciples. The other evangelists say that Jesus died on a cross. Luke says that even when he was dying, Jesus was praying for those who persecuted him. The other evangelists say Jesus went on a mount and was transfigured, but Luke records it. He was praying and was transfigured. There's nothing more transfiguring than prayer. There's nothing more transfiguring than prayer. The scriptures say the disciples went to bed, but Jesus went to pray because this 
was his custom. I've said it before and I want to say it again. I want to make sure that we as the church in the modern day are not slumbering when he expects us to be praying. Amen? We cannot afford to spiritually sleep through this day and this hour. Number four, we must pray fervently with faith and expectation. How? In Jesus' name. We are unapologetic about our biblical example and the fact that we speak to it clearly that we are to pray fervently with faith in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? How many remember the old acronym PUSH? Pray until something happens. Pray until something happens. I think we have to get rid of this passive nature that has crept in to prayer. We have got to pray until something happens. Again, last week in the middle of prayer, somebody received the Holy Ghost. We need that. Wait a minute. What if it doesn't fit into the routine? What fits more in the routine of prayer than prayer? We must pray until something happens. James chapter 5 and 16, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And righteous in that part that we so often quote, we quote the second part of that, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man. Well, righteous man hangs on the first part of that in the confessing of faults. I've got to live an honest life. Got to do my best to live an honest life one with another, not just myself, but with the body, because the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The words effectual fervent translated from that one, word, one Greek word there to be active, to be forceful, vigorous, dynamic, and energetic. And I'm, I'm, I wouldn't take any shots at the way anyone prays. If you are a bow your head and you're very quiet, you just, whatever is comfortable to you. But I will tell you, effectual fervent prayer is noisy. Effectual, fervent prayer, and I will say it this way. Let me give a physical illustration. If you see that I'm about to lose my life, please don't do this. If you recognize I'm about, how much more if I'm about to lose my soul? We've got to trade in our modern day tact for his biblical tactics. Well, I feel that. And say, wait a minute, so how should I pray? I'll tell you how we pray for the lost. We pray with effectual fervency. How do we pray for those that are sick? Effectual fervent prayer. How do we pray for those that are on their way to destruction? It must be effectual fervent prayer, rigorous prayer, dynamic prayer, Powerful prayer. Well, you think just because you lift your voice, that means power. I don't think that. I just lift my voice because I do. Just trained to do so. I'm a passionate person. But I will tell you that it's pretty easy to identify a passionate person by their expression. Guess who gave you your emotions to put on display? The Lord, when he designed your DNA, he put emotions in you. But the Vitae about got himself in trouble a minute ago with emotions, talking about his wife. God have mercy. My emotions were getting concerned for your emotions. 
<laughs> we got to give our emotions in prayer. Okay? Matthew 21 and 22. And all things, because we're not talking about just praying fervently, we're talking about with faith and expectation in Jesus' name. And all things, whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. We've got to establish this, and I think we've got this. We don't just pray because it's our tradition. I can't say, I could say that a thousand times and it wouldn't be enough. We don't just pray because, well, it's church and we get a prayer request. We pray because we believe when we are in agreement and in faith, God can intervene. Who's ever had a prayer answered? Come on, you've done it before, but you've... This ought to remind us when we pray, things can happen. He can turn the situation. He can give you the job. He can give you the greatest job in your life. Prayer. He can bring a family member home. Prayer. 18 years feels like nothing happened. One day. Prayer. Faithful, powerful, believing prayer. Somebody say amen. We believe in prayer. John 14, 13 and 14. And whatsoever ye shall ask, how? In my name. That will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now remember, you got, I don't get to take one scripture, pull it out of context, use it for my benefit. I got to make it all work together so I don't get to say, in the name of Jesus, Ferrari outside. Now, if someone here wants to bless me with a Ferrari, I will probably sell it and give it to missions. But the reality is I don't get to use it in that way. But when I have a prayer that is a serious need and I pray it, I want to pray it this way. In the name of Jesus Christ. Why do we do that? Because I am not exalting my power. I'm not using my name. Same way Paul would have to ask them and tell them in the New Testament, you weren't baptized of Paul or of Apollos. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Charles Spurgeon wrote it this way, true prayer is neither mere, mere mental exercise nor a vocal performance. It's far deeper than that. It is a spiritual transaction with the creator of heaven and earth. So let's make that hard transition at 748. Prayer, yes, and fasting. Prayer. If I'm, if I'm going to pray, why do I have to fast? And I am going to tell you something that's going to be hard for some of you to maybe swallow. That'd be a good pun for this. If you fast without prayer, I'd rather you pray twice as much and not fast as all. The power of fasting comes through being coupled with prayer. Fasting without prayer is a bona fide diet. Prayer and fasting work together. If I've messed with your theology, I'm sorry, I'm just in the Bible. There are over 70 references to fasting in the Bible. They're on example in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. Fasting was a part of the Old Testament and a part of the New Testament church lifestyle. 
It was exampled by Christ and expected of the disciples after he was gone away. Matthew 4 tells us that Jesus fasted 40 days and even 40 nights in the wilderness. Now I've had people tell me, well, I'm going to be like Christ. Let me, let me give you some instruction right here. Before you go on a fast, you better make sure that the Lord, before you get real excited about saying, well, I'm going to go on a 40-day fast, <laughs> you better make sure the Lord has called you on a 40-day fast and you're not trying to embark on a 40-day fast so that you can say you went on a 40-day fast. Because I might be preaching your funeral and I'd like to be able to tell the truth about lighten up, that was funny. Look at Mark chapter 2, verses 18 through 20. And the disciples of John and the Pharisees used to fast, and they come and say unto him, Why did the disciples of John and the Pharisees fast, but thy disciples fast not? Jesus said unto them, Can the children of the bride chamber fast while the bride chamber is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and then they shall fast in those days. Fasting is connecting to our longing for Christ. It is the bringing of our own flesh under submission to be led by the Spirit. I will say this, and I want it to be heard very clearly. We need to do less feeding the flesh than we're doing. We do. We need to do less feeding the flesh. We need to do less feeding the flesh the way, we, the way that we feed our cravings, not just in dietary, we need, to, we need to guard how much we're feeding our flesh in what we're watching, hearing, conversations we're engaging in. Let's talk about point seven here, fasting for clarity in God's will while being done humbly. How many know fasting should be done through humility and bring humility? Acts 13, two and three, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I've called them. And when they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands upon them and sent them away. It was a part of this clarity for the will of God. Matthew 6, 16 through 18, moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance. I, I have this vivid memory. It shouldn't, but it, it comes to my mind immediately while I'm, when I read that, I'll never forget when I was just a teenager and there was a girl and we didn't know she was fasting until we got in the group with all the other girls. All the other guys were in the youth group. And, and this one girl, we bought pizza and she said, I'm not going to have any. I've been on a three-day fast. And I remember somebody in the room saying, well, you just ruined it, so have a piece of pizza. <laughs> why, why did they say that? When you fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. You don't fast to get credit from people. Right? But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thy head, wash thy face, that thou appear unto men. What? Not unto men to fast, but unto thy father, which is in secret, and thy father, which seeth thee in secret, shall reward thee how? We have clear instances in both the Old Testament and the New Testament of fasting being done by individuals and also by collective groups. It's not just individuals, but even collective groups that would work together. Okay? Let's talk about three types of fasts. All right? No food. Everybody say no food. 
Everybody say the devil is alive. I'm just kidding. No food. Ezra 10 and 6. Then Ezra rose up from before the house of God, went into the chamber of Johanan, the son of Elisha. And when he came thither, he did eat no bread nor drink water. For he mourned because of the transgression of them that had been carried away. There is a difference between sorrow and fasting. There is a difference between sorrow and fasting, but fasting takes place in a spiritual sense of bringing the body under subjection. How about a place where partial food? Daniel chapter 10 said, I ate no pleasant bread, neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth, neither did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. This is that that 21-day juncture, that Daniel fast. How many have ever done the Daniel's fast? Wave at me if you've done that. Some people call it the Daniel's diet. Okay, Daniel fast. Wow, I would have thought there were more in the room than that. There was like seven people that have done the Daniel's fast. It's a good fast. It's, 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 you got to push the cake away. Although usually during a Daniel fast, people become scientists, and culinary experts. People never figured out how to stretch stevia so far in all their life. And <laughs> the, next one, the next one, there's even the fasting of intimacy briefly in marriage. And I don't want to get too far off on this, but 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 5 says, Defraud ye not one the other, except it be with the consent for a time that you may give yourselves to fasting and to prayer and come together again, that Satan tempts you not for your lack of self-control. We guard, this is speaking to us here of our actions, what we're fasting in our actions. And so we're gonna even use some allowances with that over the next 21 days of things that we do and we do not partake of. Now, the incredible thing for everybody in the room is this is completely up to you. What you give to prayer and what you give to fasting, it's completely up to you. Everybody ought to be thankful for that. That's the good news. The bad news is the Lord knows. The Lord knows what we choose to engage in. Let's look at the different periods of time for fasting biblically. Daniel 6 and 18, one night. There's fasting of one night. There's fasting of one day. These, I'll put all these biblical references. They'll be on the app for you if you want to look at these. There's fasting of three days in Esther 4 and Acts 9. Fasting of seven days in 1 Samuel 31, Samuel 12. There's fasting of 14 days in Acts 27. Fasting of 21 days, this Daniel, this period here, Daniel 10. There's fasting, I hate to even tell you this, but there's fastings of 40 days that happen more than any of the other fastings. Why is it important? What's the reiteration process? Why is it here? Because there needs to be a denial of the flesh. There needs to be a denial of the flesh. Some of the results following biblical fast. Pastor Carson, why does it really matter? Just in case you're asking that, let me remind you of a few things that happened in Scripture. After Moses is fast, he receives the commandments from the Lord. Pretty big occurrence. After Elijah's fast, he hears the word of the Lord speak clearly, which sets the forward-thinking precedent of what we would lean on. After the city of Nineveh calls a fast, deliverance came. They're spared destruction in Jonah 3. After Jesus' fast, he returns in the power of the Spirit. 
In fact, most theologians would agree the ministry of Christ started following that fast. And to every younger man and woman that's called to ministry that will listen to me in here right now, your ability to minister effectively will be based on your ability to get your flesh subjected, to bring your flesh under subject to the guiding of the Spirit. After Cornelius is fast, he receives the message from God through the angel and through the apostle Peter. And after the apostle gave themselves uh, to prayer and fasting and the word, they turned, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6 and Acts 17, they turned their world upside down. So in all of our preaching about being the church and all of our excitement in what God's wanting to do, I'm asking myself, God, so how do we do it? Give us some, we don't need some new revelation of how to do it. We've always had the answer of how to do it. Prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. Did we, did we hand those bookmarks out already? Do you have one of those bookmarks? If you do, take that bookmark. I want you to raise it. Raise it in the air. So you have this. Joel chapter 1 verse 14 says, Sanctify a fast. Call a solemn assembly. Gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land into the house of the Lord your God and cry unto the Lord. Daniel chapter 9 verses 3 and 4. And I... I set my face unto the Lord to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed unto the Lord God and I, I made my confession. And I, I, didn't, I didn't put it in here. Uh, I'll, I'll get it into the notes because my mind the last couple hours has rested on the story of Esther. How many remember that there was an indictment that had been made and, and Haman? How many remember this? And there was going to be an annihilation of the Jewish people. But when Mordecai came through and there's this engagement with, uh, with Esther and this conversation that happens, what happens? There is a fast that is called. There is prayer and there is fast. But remember, when did that prayer and fasting happen? after an uncle comes to her and says, you better remember who you are. You better remember what you're for such a time as this. And I will tell you, for such a time as this, I believe we exist in the city of Indianapolis. Yes, I believe, I believe that you exist for your family and I believe you exist for your friends. But I think on the larger scale, we sit here with the people on the very brink of losing their lives and being lost for eternity. And it's time for us to pray and it's time for us to fast. And I, I conclude with the words that we opened with from Christ when he said, for this kind cometh not but by prayer and fasting. So here we are. Here we are on one side of it. You can see what we're teaching through, what we're doing in our January preaching and teaching on Wednesday nights, really teaching through this as intentional as possible. But fasting starts tomorrow for those that are willing to be a part of this. Now, this is my disclaimer. If you have some medical reason that keeps you from fasting, Please don't call us from the hospital and say, Pastor Carson said I had to fast. I will say, no, I didn't. And the media team will have the clip ready. <laughs> Trust me, they have the clips I do and the clips I don't want ready. <laughs> but starting tomorrow... January 11th through 13th, we're going to fast one meal. Now, I did feel like we needed to put on here that you normally eat. 
Because I know how it works. Some of you are like, well, I never eat breakfast. I've been fasting breakfast for a while. Well, if normally, and I would even encourage you this. Find a meal that's substantial to you that actually feels like you're giving something up. Now, practical, right? We've done a lot of Bible. Let me be practical. If you're one of those people that gets hangry, you remember early in our marriage? Never forget that day. I've told this story before. I walked in and I must have been hangry and I'll never forget my young bride looking at me and saying, you must be fasting today. That's what she said. She's sassy. I said, how darest thou? No, I didn't. <laughs> Ain't no woman going to... No, I didn't. I, I, I said... Uh, I said, uh, I said, I probably just ruined my fast, didn't I? Might as well eat dinner. <laughs> so I broke that fast before she broke me. If you're one of those people that gets hangry, you're one of those people that doesn't do well going without food, then maybe you're not eating a meal, but you're drinking a shake. I'm not trying to dumb this down. I'm just trying to help you fast, Okay. For anybody in the room, and I can, we, anytime I talk about fasting, there's always a few really righteous people that are like, you can't give excuses. People need to fast. People need, listen, if, you, if you're one of those people, you can go long periods of time. I'll, I'll go with you. I'm ready. We'll go long period of time. That's fine. But we're not going to go long period of time to execute judgment against somebody who can't or is unable. Because some people in this room, you haven't fasted a meal in the last year. And that's not a shot against you. It's a statement. It's time. It's time to push the plate away and to, and to fast from that meal. And so for the next few days, look there. And then January 14th through 20th, this is going to be a lot harder for some of you than food. January 14th through 20th, we're going to let you eat. Get your mac and cheese back. Get your three squares back. Just no social media. Come on, some of y'all people in here that are on Facebook all the time. I'm going to say something right now. The devil's, the devil's having a field day with some of this social media. Some people, you are just the worst version of yourself on social media. You ever meet somebody in person, you really like them, and then you see the social media keyboard ninja version of them? But this isn't just for one demographic. We tried to cover all demographics. Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, be real. See that little et cetera? That means in case you're on one of those not mentioned, because there's like a thousand of them, in case you're like, they didn't even mention the one I like, so I'm going to be great. I'm in good shape. Remember, this is before the Lord, okay? This is you. I will promise you this. You go a week without media, you'll be shocked how cleansed you feel from not interacting on social media for a while. That's a true statement. January 21st through 27th, we're going to go back for a whole week that week of one meal daily that you're going to be fasting again that you normally eat. And then the 28th through the 31st, this is going to be the toughest part of it, okay? 28th through the 31st, we're going to eat only one meal and no media, no news, no movies, no shows, no YouTube. I don't get to watch no deer hunting. 
Some of y'all are like, that's ridiculous. People watch that? <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> no me, you, you know why? We're just going to tune in. We're just going to tune in. And I'm going to encourage you this. Pull a journal out. Hear what God is saying. He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. Only media during that that I'd like you to be signed into, if you're able to, get on the Zoom prayer. Get involved with brothers and sisters. Use that as the medium, as the forum. Why are we doing this? We got to be intentional. We got to be intentional. We got to push the flesh to the side. We got to let the Spirit of God lead us and direct us. To some of you, this is very, very elementary. And so if you're one of the people, you look at this and you say, well, that's not intense enough for me. You have 100% license. I know some have already said in this prayer and fasting, I'm going to take, there's, I'm taking a whole week, a segment, and I'm just doing juice or I'm just doing, you can take this, but we're trying to give some guide trying to get the church in agreement together. And I will tell you, I am as passionate about the media stuff as I think I am the food stuff. Stand with me in this house, if you will. If you're willing, would you lift your voices with me? Maybe even lift your hands. Oh God, help us to combine prayer and fasting. We want to make a difference as a church. We want to make a difference as individuals and collectively as a body. We want to be tuned in to what the Spirit is saying. We want to follow the biblical precedent. We thank you for all the scriptures. We've only scratched the surface of the multitude of scriptures you've given us to support what is necessary in our communion with you of prayer and fasting. But I pray that you'd help us each and every one that we might be excited about this, that we would embrace it, that we would do our very best to engage in this process, that we're part of the missional effort to reach and connect and disciple as we would be seeing in your word that we've got to be close to you. And so in, ever, in our endeavor to do that, we're trying to push away food. We're trying to push away media. We're trying to uh, be more intentional about our prayer lives. Help us in this, we ask it, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Help us to combine our prayer and combine our fasting that you would be exalted. Let everybody say amen.